Welcome to the Media Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vettabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. Uh, Kenton, did you watch the Friends reunion last week? <laughs> um, no, I read about the reunion after it occurred, but I really, and I, I only recorded it in case hacks got cut off right before it on HBO Max. <laughs> That's okay. really, so, so I recorded it and but did not watch a single minute. Did oh, yeah. you watch it? Of course, yes. I, I'm a big fan of Friends. Are you? Are you? Would you? you just are? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I love that show. I have a Friends. I have a oh. Central Central Perk Cup. Um, I enjoy that show. Uh, so I did watch it. I did watch the reunion. I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, interesting. Did you watch the uh, the other one they did? Was the Fresh Prince? Did you watch that reunion when they did that a few months back? You didn't know? Nah, I didn't. Okay. Neither one of those shows were my cup of tea, really. <laughs> okay. Like, I, hey, I'd be all over the Cheers or Seinfeld. Uh, I was just going to ask you what you what you yeah. would watch. But, uh, well, Seinfeld, the, Seinfeld the kind of already did it, and I don't think they're going to do another one. And I guess, I mean, yeah. but it, it means, it, it, it's really, like, what do you mean by reunion show, right? Sometimes it's a yeah. it's a, a new episode of the show, right? Can you think examples of that, where they actually brought the cast back and recorded another movie or Roseanne. episode? Roseanne, Family Ties, I think. Wasn't there a Family Ties movie or something? I think there was. Mm. I'm pretty sure I'll look that so, up later. Uh, Murphy Brown, Murphy yes. Brown, but it bombed. But yes. it bombed. But they brought and uh, they're working on Frasier. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that keeps coming and going. Like it's in the news. It goes away for a year. It's in the news again. Talking, like another. So it's I, a, is it a reunion show? Like the one we got with Friends and with Fresh Prince is like bring all the cast back, interview them, yeah. talk to them about what the show, remember funny moments. That's what this was. No, it's a real, they're doing real episodes. Yeah, that's what I would, I would rather see to- that. Like, I, I was like, yeah. hoping that they would do a, another episode of Friends and have everybody play the roles. They didn't do that. Although they did why kind not? of, well, I know, I don't know why, but I, I they did kind of uh, have some fun moments. Like they recreated the quiz, which is one of my favorite episodes of all time in Friends, which is when the the um, the guys and the girls kind of face off to see who knows the most about each other. And they bet their apartments and then the guys end up winning the girls' apartment. Well, that was a really good episode. So they recreated that and asked friends trivia of the friends so that was pretty funny and they had some fun guest stars uh probably the stupidest moment was justin bieber dressed as a potato uh dancing across the stage because <laughs> they had a uh, number they they wanted to showcase some of the costumes from friends and really there's only like a handful like i don't know that this needed its own segment but one of them was the the hollow of course which is a a, a favorite um and then um joey wearing all of chandler's clothes which is another part of the show which was really funny the one comfort i took from all of it was that matt leblanc looks like joey would look at age 50 whatever however old matt leblanc is he's got a big gut he's like he looks like a middle-aged italian man which is what joey would be i think so that was one uh, point to cover but i actually really enjoyed that uh, that um, reunion and it kind of got me back on the friends bandwagon i've been watching a little bit more friends lately but isn't uh what's his name uh who played chandler who's that guy Oh, Matt, Matthew Perry. Yeah, uh, was that? Oh, yeah. And I heard that he he's now a troubled loner or something, or he <laughs> he had the drug addiction problems and he doesn't remember being on the show. He's that guy. He yeah, a little bit of that. I don't think I don't think he, I don't think it's that bad, but he he does certainly remember things. But he did have uh, substance abuse <laughs> problems while he was on the show, and he did make a couple of jokes of that people really weren't really sure. Like when they talked about, oh, do you guys still keep in touch and everything? And he's like, nobody ever talks to me. Like he was kind of like I kind of feel like he is a bit of the outcast because um. And also when you think about in terms of like what they've done since Friends, he's probably had the amount of work I would assume. Um, out of all of them, maybe maybe um, what's his face as well, Ross. Um, um, David Schwimmer has, although he was in the OJ movie, right? Well, was what else was he in? 
I don't know what else Ross was in. Uh, and Chandler had the remake of The Odd Couple. Speaking of remakes, he had the remake of The Odd Couple uh, a number of <laughs> a number of years ago that did not uh, do very well either. Actually, I think they did get a second season, but I think that was about it for that one. So, did, did Matt LeBlanc talk about being on the movie Ed? No, no, nothing, nothing like that. I would, I would love. That's a good section. They should have included that. Let's take a look at all the crappy movies you guys all did in the '90s oh, after Friends. So many, because they all did really shitty movies for sure. What was the one with uh, Chandler? Unbelievable. The whole nine yards with Chandler and Bruce Willis. Yes. <laughs> Remember that one? Yes. Oh my God, I, that would be a great little. I would love to see a retrospective. It could be like in memoriam, <laughs> where they all go by slowly with sad piano music. The one with the, the one with David throwing Schwimmer. the ball. The one with David Schwimmer and the funeral or something about death. I don't remember. It was about, uh, it was really dark and it was not funny at all. Um, I think probably Lisa Kudrow has been the most successful. Or maybe uh, Jennifer Aniston as well has been very successful. The, the women seem to have more success than the men, generally speaking. But anyway. Yeah, but still, I think they're all responsible for crimes against movie humanity for a period of about a decade. I agree. They kept trying. Okay, let's get to the nerd news. Nerd Kim's convenience star, uh, Slam's spinoff, says, I will adamantly refuse to reprise my role in any capacity. So this is about, um, the, obviously, the Canadian sitcom Kim's Convenience, which was which the fifth season just dropped on Netflix this week. Now, I'm, I'm confused. Is this not still airing on CBC? Because I thought it was a CBC show primarily in Canada. Yeah, but they surprised the cast by telling them they're not going to renew it. Right. I think that, that came as a surprise to everybody concerned. And so I remember in the media, it was an odd blend of celebrating the end of the show by CBC celebrating all the years of memories and then the cast of the show being angry about, about it not being continued. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a weird, it was, it was a weird little um, juxtaposition in that last season. And I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I read some of what was going on, but I think... Um, there's some disagreement about whether they all agreed it was the last season. I well, think. not only that, but there also there's there's apparently a spinoff in the works called Strays, which is uh, um, the cast member Nicole Power, who's the one white cast member, or not not the only white cast member, but not one of the main Asian characters in the show uh, that they've taken and decided to give her a spinoff. She plays uh, her name's Shannon in the in the show. She plays the boss of the the son. The, by the way, the actor who said this, Simu Liu, Liu is an actor who is also going to be starring in the upcoming. Marvel uh, movie Shang Chi, uh, so he's going to be huge after this. Um, and um, and of course we know the dad, uh, Paul Sung. I'm trying to remember his name, Paul Sung Hyu. I think uh, plays uh, the father. He's great in that show, but also great in The Mandalorian, as we've talked about before on Star Wars nerds. So yeah, the the basically he's saying that you know he's upset they didn't get continued, but also upset that didn't they didn't choose a different cast member to to create a spinoff series because you really you could create you could create a spinoff with any cast member of any show right we've seen it done well and it's if all the cast was surprised by it not being continued um why not just continue oh well i know I, I think i know why because everybody's salaries start getting too high for the cbc too popular it's, like yeah, shit's that's Creek. right it's too popular we, it must be canceled because yeah. these actors need need the most money so who could we spin off who would demand the least amount of salary from us. I think, I, I think we figured it out. I think you did. I think that's, that had to be a factor. I'm not saying that's the only yeah. reason, but it definitely was a factor. I agree. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. There we go. I think it has to be that. 
Because in Canada, I mean, it works that way on every TV show to some extent. I mean, that's why we're we're in season 800 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And every year they do fewer episodes. Oh, yeah. So it's like, by the, so it's because they're still getting paid the same amount, but they reduce the episode burden. So I think the last season of It's Always Sunny, like they used to do 24 episodes a season and then they did like 12 and then they did 10, then they did eight. I think last season was six, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like the next British season route. will be three. It, then it'll be 10 minute shows on YouTube. <laughs> for the same salary that they're they've got the conan o'brien uh plan oh, going we should be talking one. about that 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 was also in the news this week as well conan o'brien is ending his yeah. show well we'll talk about that we're gonna talk about yeah, late night a, in a second yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that yeah, late night segment okay uh next story in the new news nerd news uh netflix has canceled its brand new flagship show jupiter's legacy now you haven't seen this yet you said you hadn't even put it in your watch list um so are you aware of this no, show at all no. okay so this is uh it's another superhero I'm show only aware of it Okay, because you've seen like the probably seen the banner on Netflix when you when you load it up. So um, it's sure a superhero have. show. It is you know it's hilarious because it is similar to Invincible in a lot of ways and The Boys because uh, it's a big Superman ish character that is kind of the central character to the whole thing. Although he's not evil in this one necessarily, not yet anyway. Uh, but the story here is of course that Netflix has canceled. Well, not canceled it exactly. They've they've let the uh, cast members. They've released the cast members from their contracts. So, so basically they're saying, we're not going to be making any new episodes of this anytime soon. Uh, and this is, of course, the one that stars Josh Duhamel as the kind of the, the, the father figure Superman character uh, for most of the show. There's kind of two, there's a there's a Flash storyline and there's a main uh, storyline. And the flashback storyline concerns him uh, and and trying to figure out, uh, he's, he's getting these visions. And basically he, he ends up with him and a bunch of people ends up with, with superpowers. And then they start something along the lines of the Justice League, like a superhero team that fights um, evil and has a specific code. And that's a very important part of the show, this code, no killing, just like Batman, uh, except except if Batman in the Snyderverse is not, not, does not adhere to that code. But uh, but anyway, this this show, it basically, I, I watched it, it's eight episodes. I was excited about it because it looked really good, but it essentially doesn't really go anywhere. And that's the bad part about it. it there was like the, the, the subplot of them, like I was more interested in how they get their powers. And there's this very like convoluted story about this. It, it's very similar to like it reminded me of King Kong a little bit because it takes place in the 1930s and they're they're chartering a ship and going to an island. It's very similar to like the Peter Jackson or original King Kong movie. Um, so I didn't love it and it was kind of a big letdown. They get their powers. Spoiler alert: they get their powers from fucking aliens. I mean, how lazy can you get? How lazy can you get? So anyway, it is not going to happen anymore. But uh, they are going to create a spinoff show in the same universe so not exactly a cancellation maybe some of these characters will show up in this other show uh it's all mark miller who's a comic book creator and these are all based on his comic books and he's got a, an exclusive deal in fact netflix owns his company miller world um so they're going to be all kinds of shows out of mark miller comics well i'm glad i didn't watch it <laughs> <laughs> that's all enough said all right we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna be talking about late night television on the media nerds podcast we've got a good show tonight I would never want to do this show with you. Now, why? Because you thought I was uh, uh... an ass. Please give a huge welcome for Ben Benatar. Gary Lee Lewis, Benatar. 
Thank you so much for watching and good night. The Story of Late Night premieres Sunday night, May 2nd at 9. Uh, I didn't know you were watching this show uh, because I just, you know, I, I kind of figured you were, though. It's called The Story of Late Night, and it's on uh, CNN yeah. going for, what, four or five weeks now, I think? Something like that, maybe even more than that at this yeah. point. Yeah, because we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty late in the timeline. But it's a really interesting series. And it actually, I learned a lot from this, especially about the early days of late night. So this, this is a covering uh, from the very beginning, uh, Steve Allen and, and The Tonight Show, uh, essentially, uh, and um, and just kind of goes through the entire history of late night all the way up to today. And, uh, and so the, it's still going. There's still probably a few episodes left. Uh, maybe one, maybe. I can't think of them. Because the last episode, they just covered the Conan uh, Jay Leno thing. And I think that we're nearing the end. That was 10 years ago. So we're nearing the end of it. Um, but what have you thought about the series so far? Well, there's highs and lows. I'm going to be a little bit mean to it. <laughs> a little bit mean to it. But I'm also going to give it some some credit. Well, the first thing I thought, the first thing that we should say is um, Charles Grodin died a couple weeks ago. Yes. And he's like the ultimate late night guest. The ultimate late night guest. And so one of the things that that just, oh, he's the ultimate. He's so good. Tom Hanks. He was one of the guests who would come. Well, yeah, but the guests who come on and play a role, yes. who don't just come out and go, oh, I'm in the new Beethoven movie, which I which I think he was, I think he went on Letterman when the Beethoven, the second Beethoven movie came out and he was like, he just didn't care at all about talking about it. He was just, whatever, I don't care. But he was, but it was a role he was playing and we hardly see that anymore. Like, or like the Pee Wee Herman that would come out and he wouldn't break character. And that kind of thing. And even Max Headroom, for God's sakes, was like a talk show guest. And I was always like, okay, we don't really get that anymore. So one of the things, and so I, so, by, so by way of Charles Grodin, I was going to say one of the things about the series that um, I think it, in some ways the series is so light that it just goes by like in the flick of a hummingbird, hummingbird's wings and it doesn't really go deep. On the other hand, it is like a 10 part series or something. Um, and so in some ways it's too long. In other ways, it's a little too light because for every Charles Grodin out there, you could do a whole episode just on, on the great guests of late night television. So I think there, there's, there's, um, there's been some episodes that I've just been glued to. And there's, then there's been other episodes where I've, where they've just, only scratched the surface of something i would say mm -hmm. so so it, you know for me it's been a little hit and miss but yeah what, what do you think i i really i'm really enjoying it what i've learned it's to me it's like blowing me away with things that i've learned like for example and mostly about the early days of late night because i didn't really know anything about it i knew of steve allen and jack parr and these people but i didn't know anything about what happened like that steve allen show that first steve allen show was so chaotic and just all over the place i couldn't believe how 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 like just doing whatever they want basically it was so weird to see that not very well planned um and things would go wrong things would go off the rails and he just kind of rolled with it and it was all in good fun because it was a comedy show and i also find night evolved differently from early morning programming um the early morning programming was news primarily right it's wake up in the morning you want to know what happened in the world it's news weather traffic sports that kind of stuff we still have that formula today but late night is about unwinding it's about laughing it's about relaxing and that's what that content became so that's fascinating to me um and then of course the the major incident that i didn't know anything about was the jack parr walking off the set i had no idea he did that that's insane. He live television 
someone censors his joke, which wasn't even that bad. And he's like, no, nah, I'm done. And he walks off the set on live television. That's insane. You would never see that happen these days. Uh, well, you could see it happen, but everything's live to tape. Uh, you could see it. I guess you could see it happen on SNL. Somebody, if someone wanted to quit, they could, they could just say F you and walk off the show. Fuck you, but Lauren. It's hard to, right. If, if, uh, and a bunch of people have been tempted, uh, for sure to do it. Um, but I don't, there, there just aren't opportunities to do that like there used to be in terms right. of there being live. And TV. there was no, nobody expected do. because nobody had done it before, nobody was expecting it. So that's, that was just an interesting um, uh, milestone. And then, yeah. And then, of course, Johnny Carson. Now, was Johnny Carson the first late night talk show that you saw when you were a kid? Yeah, it has to be Johnny Carson for sure. Jack Parr was before my time. I heard, I knew of Jack Parr. And, but the other weird thing is Jack Parr looked a lot like Johnny Carson. They looked alike. So I think to, they I, did, yeah. I, and I almost think they chose Johnny Carson as a, well, they look the same. People won't know the difference. <laughs> we'll just put this guy on kind of thing. So I remember seeing photos like in the newspaper and stuff of Jack Parr. And people were generally confused about who was Jack Parr and who was Johnny Carson. And even their names, Jack and Johnny, there was confusion. It's like, it's like the Jimmies right okay. now. Like there's confusion, yep. just sort of general confusion. I think there used to be general confusion about Jack and Johnny. When I was a kid, I do recall that, that people would even uh, screw it up and go like, oh, you watched a little Jack Parr last night, did you? Like grandma and grandpa or whatever would call Johnny Carson Jack Parr. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a little joke, but uh, yes, Johnny Carson was the first, um, pro- the first late night talk show that I ever saw. I'm sure, I'm sure of it. And it's probably for me, but because I'm younger, I remember him being a lot older. Like, like I, I really remember the Johnny Carson of the '80s and into the early '90s before he retired. And of course, I do remember when he retired, and I did watch that live. You know, I don't remember watching a lot of late night television when I was a kid. I don't think my dad really watched it, so I didn't. And um, I, I don't remember. Of course, there's no, there was no real Canadian option either for us as as kids growing up. Uh, we did get a Canadian uh, a talk show host. Oh, did we? Were there Canadian options in the '80s? I don't know. Maybe there was. Well, I'm not aware. Mike Bullard, but before Mike Bullard, uh, there, the less we say about that, the better. Yeah. Um, but you can still find his comedy CD in most used bins. In town, so <laughs> have at it if you want to know who, who he is. And uh, before that, there was Ralph Ben Murgi. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. uh, George, now, George Strombolopoulos, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those. Okay. Uh, Ralph Ben Murgi's show actually wasn't that bad. Okay. Uh, like, he he himself had almost a Letterman-esque sort of style and delivery, like too hip for the room, but they softened it up and then the show just, and, and every Canadian talk show suffers from not having access to real guests. So at, so so you're going to get like the local celebrity from or, the radio yeah. station on there. You're going to get some terrible moments in late night TV. And we had those, we had those terrible moments. And Winnipeg, had a late night talk show hosted by Stan Kubacek. Really? With yes, I think oh, wow. it was only on on Friday nights. And and if you think like the one out of Toronto was bad, the one out of Winnipeg was like so you had a little band playing, so that was okay. And then you had Stan Kubacek who when he wasn't doing car commercials to do this talk show and, <laughs> and the, the weather. weather. Yeah, yeah. He would do the talk show and the guests though, I mean, you can imagine like who's here on a local level? You you would just like pray that somebody would come in. 
Yeah, you, you're right. You would pray that somebody would come in for a dinner theater, get them <laughs> on the show. Like that, that was, that was pretty much it. And people, and like, and so it, it they made, they, there, there's probably regional attempts at that across Canada. I'm guessing. Sure. The, yes. the local At, talk show. Yeah, we do tend to mimic uh, what we see, right? Especially from the US. Yeah. So that is something that that is like, if you see something that's successful somewhere else, you're gonna try and do it yourself. But that does seem to, late night does seem to be something that only really works at a national level and in the US, because it doesn't seem to work in Canada because we've never really had a successful uh, run at it. And of course, you are a huge Letterman fan. Um, when did that start for you? When did you start really getting to Letterman? I, I've never met, I never missed an episode of late show. As I always say, I never missed or late night or, and I started watching his morning show. So I started right from the very beginning and I knew Letterman, believe it or not, my introduction to Letterman was on Hollywood squares where I was like, where he was like, he was one of the squares. And, and, uh, and he, and I thought he, he was so friggin' funny. I was just like, I love this guy's here. I love the the irony and I love, I just love his, like his delivery. I just, this guy, this guy is going somewhere. And so when he started the morning show, I must've been in, I think I was in grade seven. And, and uh, so the morning, and I remember there ran promos for the show. Like um, next Monday, we begin the search for the man who invented the hammer. Things like that, like just weird. <laughs> well, th no, th that was weird. actually one of my favorite episodes is when they covered that era of Letterman in the 80s uh, because yeah, it really gave me, me a great sense of all the weird, and it was way out of, like, so he continued doing weird stuff on, on the Late Show after when he went to CBS, but really that NBC show, he just pushed the envelope and he did all kinds of stuff, like the one where they sell just bulbs. Just bulbs. Oh, so you, you sell me just shades and like that whole bit with the, like that was so funny <laughs> he keeps asking about if they have any other types of lamps nope just bulbs that's all we sell i went uh, the first time i went to new york i went into just bulbs okay. which is easy to find it, it was like at a major intersection it's probably not there anymore maybe it is but i went in there and just looked around and they kind of looked at you like if you were a young male walking around looking around they kind of looked at you like, oh, here comes another one. <laughs> Watch his letter, man. Here comes another one. That kind of thing. So it, that, that I mean, all of the stuff that he did was huge. And even to the extent that, I mean, it was he was influenced by Steve Allen. And they even showed that in the documentary mm -hmm. where they showed Steve Allen put on the crazy suits and stuff. And, and stick did up, like, that. And, and Velcro on the wall and all kinds of like pe stupid pet tricks and that kind of stuff. But it also um, shed some light on his um, comedy partner there. I don't remember her name. Um, sorry, I'm blanking on her name. Who was his, I don't know if she was there married or. Um, oh, Meryl was, Marco. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, and I, I didn't know they who she dating. was. Oh, they were dating. Okay. But I didn't know who was, but she was a big part of that early on. And, and oh, yeah. throughout Letterman's career, uh, she was a big part of his writing team. So I, I just thought, uh, just again, so much information and so interesting to see what that was like. I don't remember that stuff. I was too young for it. I didn't really become aware. Uh, I didn't start becoming interesting or interested in late night for myself until I was early 90s and that's right around the time when Conan came into being. So I was aware of the switch between um, Carson and Leno. Um, I wasn't really aware at the time of all that controversy around Letterman and, and the stuff covered in the late shift, the book. Um, uh, they did touch on that, of course, in the documentary as well. I was interested to learn that that Joan Rivers was a, a um, prospect to replace Johnny Carson. I think that would have been a great idea. Joan Rivers would have been amazing. Um, I mean, she was amazing. She, get, she guest hosted for Johnny all the time. I didn't realize that Johnny Carson really, Johnny Carson really wasn't doing a lot of work at the end, was he? <laughs> He was, oh, no. like <laughs> he was he invented he invented coasting on tv he invented it 
And and uh, Joan Rivers' ratings were higher than his at a certain point, which I think they which they pointed out. Mm-hmm. And I was at the point where I would watch the shows that she hosted, the Monday shows, and I wouldn't watch Carson, but I would watch Letterman every single night. I was the perfect age because I was a college age or mm-hmm. university age at that point, and so I would watch it every night or at least record it every night. And it even got to the extent where like. I would go to friends' houses to watch it together. Like it was considered, it was like a big thing. And on a Friday night, everybody would want to watch Letterman just because that was viewer mail was Friday nights at first. I think they switched between Thursday and Friday nights at certain points, but that was viewer mail. And that was like the sort of usually the most whacked out show of the week that Letterman would do is on a Friday. Right. So that was the one. And, um, but yeah, like you can't, in terms of people my age, like in their fifties, Letterman was the guy, like there just was no one like him. And, and Jay Leno on Letterman as a guest was just scathing and hilarious. That's Until another he got his own do. show. Yeah. T- took the edge out. Well, I mean, he, and he, he, they talked about that though. And here's the thing. I don't hate Jay Leno as much as I used to, uh, based on this series <laughs> that I've been watching. Cause I honestly, and yeah. it's, well, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get to the Jay Leno Conan thing in a second, but, um, but yeah, he used to be on Letterman all the time. And I didn't know that either. I didn't know that he became like a real, like a repeat guest, a favorite guest of Letterman. And then later on in the late eighties, and this is like Jay Leno, didn't have much of a, uh, he had a stand-up career, but he did not have much of a movie career at that point. He'd done a handful of movies. Remember that one with Howie Mandel he did about the horse racing? Um, and uh, I don't I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called, but he did a movie with Howie Mandel. Um, but so he didn't have much of a career. So then he started uh, um, guest hosting The Tonight Show. And then someone at NBC promised it to him, I guess. That was the whole mess um, between, and I want to reread The Late Shift because I have not read that for a long time. Um, I'm trying to find it in the library, but I can't find a digital version of it. So, um, yeah, that's Bill Carter's book. And I, we should also say that Bill Carter is the producer of the uh, series, the story of late. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Yes. And he's also a talking head on the show. So it's his show interviewing himself about pretty much about the book he wrote That's right. and so i was a little bit i was like should we have a little more acknowledgement here about like what his interest <laughs> is in this That's in this true. documentary so um i that i i think we should point out that as well and i mm-hmm. noticed i believe a uh, former tv critic tom shales of the washington post is uh is taking him to task on Twitter, taking Bill Carter to task on Twitter for kind of, for his banal observations on the show. Mm, <laughs> okay, so, interesting. So, yeah, so a few people uh, at the very least have pointed out sort of like there is, you know, this is like, like, like that, that'd be like me kind of doing the documentary on the book I wrote and then I interview myself on camera. It would be like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of going, I'll just say whatever I want <laughs> and then I'll cut myself in, perfect. <laughs> so uh, uh, so I, 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 I think that's warranted criticism of this documentary. And I also think it's also very obvious where they don't, they don't have access to like Letterman and to some people who did not agree to be on the show, but they do have access to like, Morty, his producer, and <laughs> and I was like, it's just not as good. Their observations just aren't as interesting as if we were to get the actual people we're they talking didn't get, about. They didn't get Letterman. They didn't get Leno. They got Conan. They got the Jimmys. Uh, who else? Who else didn't they get? Did, don't they have Leno and uh, 
I thought Leno was oh, in there. Maybe they did have Leno. That's right. Maybe they did have Leno. See, and that's the other thing is that I and okay for me, uh, really my what what Letterman was to you, Conan was to me, and that almost mm-hmm. it almost hit all the exact same time. I was graduating you know, uh, high school, going into university. Uh, Conan was super popular with with the college kids. Again, very similar to Letterman, and he was very much influenced by Letterman before him. So lots of wacky, crazy uh, characters, stunts, uh, that kind of stuff. It's very uh, funny to watch those early episodes because uh, it's very clear that he does not know what he's doing, and he's kind of learning as he goes. The same with Andy and all everybody else involved, but still a great show. And I I can't imagine what it would have felt like for him as somebody who's never been on television before uh to say to to like take over for letterman and he even started his first show with that hilarious bit don't screw it up you're taking over for letterman and and that was just he's like okay and it was such a great bit so conan was always my favorite in the 90s always i always watched conan throughout the 90s i also uh, started watching letterman like it usually went from letterman to conan for me in that at that time period if i was going to stay up that late uh, i almost never watched leno unless there was a guest on that i wanted to see on leno i was not a leno fan at all you, uh, you worked for conan right you worked as an intern on that show too so I- in fact, I had a behind-the-scenes uh, story to share, and I, I might have shared this on the show uh, on our podcast before. But uh, I worked with um, the daughter of then NBC president Robert Wright, and we were all like new interns on the show. Like we we had zero power; we were just like puppets of everybody who worked there. So we just basically um i worked in the research department so i had something real to do where unlike a lot of the interns who just sat around in the waiting room uh waiting <laughs> waiting for somebody to tell them what to do and so uh one day um uh, uh robert wright's daughter said to me hey uh, guess what conan is getting fired and i went what and she goes like yeah he's getting fired it's over it's over they're gonna tell him like in a week that this is that it's all over my dad told me and I was like, well, what's going to happen? And she's like, well, they're offering the show to Greg Kinnear. And Greg Kinnear is going to take the show, and then they're going to can Conan. All right? I was like, holy shit, this is huge. Okay? So, like, that that you know, that would have been huge news. How, 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 how long had he been on the air at this point? A year. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so she's like, and by the way, she had great stories. Like, Seinfeld sure. came over last night for dinner. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Um. But so, yeah, so she said, uh, that's it. It's all over. And then a week goes by and then she comes back and she's like, Greg Kinnear said no. So Conan gets to keep the show. Like, that's how close it was. That's hilarious. He came that close. Greg Kinnear did end up hosting a late night talk show after that, right? He ended no, up taking- before. Oh, was it before? I think it was, yes, it, yes. So Greg Kinnear had already gone to do movies at that oh, point. I thought he had done it. Was, it. was he after Letterman for a while? Was that what happened? Yes. Okay, and then yeah. and then yeah. Tom Snyder came back, or is it after Tom Snyder? Oh yeah, oh. It, went, it went Tom Snyder, then it went to Kinnear, and then it went to Craig no. Ferguson. No, don't forget, no Kilborn, Kilborn, Craig Kilborn, and then oh. Craig Ferguson, the two Craigs who everybody <laughs> makes this up. The two yeah. Jimmy's, the two Craigs, right? right. Okay, right. see, there's a lot to keep track of oh, here. There's so, so <laughs> much, lots of same names, lots of same names. Interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, so there's one, but I mean, uh, at the time, it did not seem 
a reasonable proposition that Conan could last. It did not seem that that no. was going to ever happen. And I don't think Conan himself would be surprised at that story. I think he'd be like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Oh, I, he learned about it after the fact yeah. too. I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. he, I probably knew more than he did at that point. <laughs> just thanks to my little, thanks to my pipeline of information. Right. <laughs> Directly from the president's daughter. <laughs> so, so Conan has had a, a tumultuous uh, career and, um, oh, yeah. You know, he did. He did that show after Leno for years and years. Then they promised. This is all covered in the CNN series. They they promised him. I that I so remember that five years out, they promised him the five years from now, you're here, buddy. You got it. Jay Leno says he's in. Jay Leno didn't like that decision. I I you know I can see now. I can see the Jay Leno side of this now. I didn't before. At the time, I was like, yes, give Conan the Tonight Show. He deserves it. He's my favorite talk show host. I want him to be there. But from Jay Leno's perspective, he's like, I'm doing great. I'm number one. I don't know why you would consider messing with this right now right so there was that uh then that comes along and there are a whole and I've, i'm gonna try and dig out one of my old blog posts about that because i wrote a big long blog about how much nbc messed that whole situation up when conan took over the tonight show uh but it's still a very interesting six months that conan was he on did that it show. twice yeah once with letterman they screwed him around right. and made him angry then they did it again they didn't learn yes. anything. No, they but it was different. It was different people. That's the thing. It was a different yeah. set of executives at NBC. So, um, so that that was uh, an interesting. And of course, what came out of that was Cone TBS, which made him less relevant. I would say overall, because not as many people watch that channel. However, I would argue that Conan has kind of flourished. And no, no matter where he ends up, Conan does well. I think that I loved his travel shows. Those those Conan Without Border shows are really, really good. Um, he he didn't just stick, like after a few years of doing that same old kind of uh, uh, format, he changed up the format of his show. He changed up to a half hour to see, see if it was different. One guest, he's done that for a couple of years now. And now he's done, right? He's, he's ending that show. Is that right? What's going to happen with him next? Well, I believe, oh, what's he, where's he? No, he's doing something on HBO. Oh, so like a last week. HBO Max, sorry. Is it going to be like another John Oliver thing? uh, I can't tell. I don't know at this point. And I'm not sure that they have said, but I'm, I I mean, one could imagine it's going to be something like that. Interesting. You know, like a a weekly maybe, or maybe nightly. I don't know. I guess we'll see Hmm. what it's all about. But that's, you know, that's probably because I've been joking all along that uh, the ever shrinking career of Conan O'Brien, which just gets smaller and smaller until it's like, he's going to have a YouTube show soon. Like, you know, like it's just, I think he would do uh, really well on YouTube. Like no matter it is um, traditionally speaking. Yes. His TV audience is shrinking and he's becoming less relevant, but I think he's, his following online is huge and his podcast is huge. And I, and I really enjoy it. And I think like what I'm saying is that he, he creates good content no matter where he goes. He's hilarious. He's funny. He's smart. He is just like, he's a great performer and, and a really, really funny guy. And I think no matter where he goes, he's going to end up happy. Hopefully. I think that's what, that's what he learned out of that situation. And he's interviewed in this whole thing as well. And he's spoken at length about the, about the story, about what happened to him with NBC. And I think what he's taken out of it is that he just wants to be happy in his work and it's not necessarily about the money. So maybe that's it. I don't know. I think that's the lesson of every person's life. You know, I think it is. I don't think he, I don't think he's different. I think as you get older, you're like, okay, whatever, fine. You know, how many years from retirement am I? Exactly. It just kind of, it becomes a mathematical, it becomes an actuarial uh, uh, math equation at a certain point. And I think he's certainly done the math and he's done well. I mean, I, I think this move is the, his first move in a while 
that increases his exposure and not decreases it. And he'll have a pretty good budget as well. I think he'll have a pretty decent budget with HBO. So that's good. He'll get some money to work with. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see what he does next. I really will. I'll follow Conan wherever he goes. I have no problem with that. Yeah, well, and I have to admit that I, um, hey, my viewership while he's been on uh, TBS has, has, uh, oh yeah, no, I never watched that show. watch that show but i listen to his podcast i I, I subscribe to him on youtube there's all kinds of all of his old shows are up on his website like if you want to watch old shows from the 90s everything he has he has everything up there uh so it's got a great archive and one of my other favorite bits that he does is called clueless gamer which he did a new episode of recently uh which is really really funny as well when he reviews video games um and then of course the series is now moving into so we covered that last episode the series is now moving into kind of i assume what's what's going to be the evolution of late night tv which is you know talks about the daily show it already talked about the daily show but but uh getting into that format so the fake news type of a thing uh the daily show really was the pioneer of that and i have to say i've not really watched that as much since john stewart left that either well canada had this hour has 22 minutes i mean every, probably every nation on earth has their fake tv news show and uh i remember when those shows were at the sort of their zenith that everybody was bemoaning. That's where young people get their news from. From John Stewart. What a sad state of affairs the world has fallen into. When I was in school, in fact, that was like, what a sad state of affairs. Um, if that's where you get your news, and now it's like people wish young people would get their news from the Daily Show. You know, like now they're getting it from um, from YouTube or whatever, from who, whomever on YouTube. Facebook. But, uh, yeah, those. Uh, those shows, I always thought John Stewart had a self-importantness about him where he actually thought he was delivering the news at certain point. It was more news than comedy at certain point. Um, and I also noticed that the story of Late Night um, uh, gives um, undue importance to side players like um, Joan Rivers and uh, Arsenio Hall and George Lopez and sort of like every, oh, Chevy Chase, everybody oh with a minor TV show. Although, did they, have they shown Pat Sajak? No. Because he had a late night talk show. He did, yeah, yeah, you're too. right. And he doesn't even warn, and um, in Bill Carter's book, um, not not the, not the late shift, but the one that came after that. Uh, anyway, I can't remember the name of it, but in any case, he says that Pat Sajak is in fact the laziest person on television, <laughs> that he would like, roll in like five minutes before the show started would like do it in his sleep and leave and even though the ratings were tanking it seemed like pat didn't care that was was just like whatever i got the wheel of fortune i'll just do that (laughs) if that doesn't work yeah well i think they wanted to make a point about um i think the point they should be making and maybe they didn't make it quite clearly enough is that it's pretty much a white man's game and that there should be more diversity that's what they're getting at with the jar for jolopez and the and the um um you know Joan Rivers and all that stuff it should be more diverse than it is and Arsenio had a, we had a brief glimpse of that with Arsenio and that was a great period as well I also watched Arsenio Hall and and loved that show and, and all that stuff that we did um for sure I mean it was a great show and I, I never understood why it didn't continue I didn't know it just get I guess got canceled there was no you know numbers weren't good or something like that so he, he wasn't on for very long um but yeah that was an interesting part of that series as well uh and I, I don't know what do you think is left here what are they going to cover in the next episode well, they could have drawn a straight line from Arsenio. Arsenio invented suck up late night TV. Yes. You never say anything bad about any guest you've got. It's always like you are the greatest and uh, 
like it, it almost got to inside the actor studio proportions of, of like who dare or, or Jimmy proportions really. Yeah, yeah. Fallon is so, famous right, for that now. The direct line from Arsenio to Fallon is that yeah. is the suck up television, and I think. Um, in recent years, it's all been about, and this is where maybe the documentary is going, clips that are then shared on YouTube. That's where I, that's where I watch most of what Kimmel does these days. Um, uh, it's, shared, uh, it's now getting views, likes, and ads, ad, ad money from, from clips on YouTube. And also um, Jimmy Fallon, for better or for worse, brought the era, oh, and James Corden. Oh my God. The era of game show style, late night shows. Celebrity game shows. Yeah. Right? Game with, shows, with celebrities. Contests, right. With celebrities, karaoke. Yeah. All of that stuff. I mean, that's a whole, you know, that was, a that's, that's a, the brand of late night TV that I've never really been interested in. Like, I don't care. Lip sync contest with celebrities, maybe if the celebrities are right, but it's just become more of that stuff. There's a handful of things that Jimmy Fallon has done that I've really enjoyed. That those music videos he does with Paul Rudd are so super, super funny, um, and I, I've really enjoyed those. But yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the of the game show. But it's, at least it's something different, and he's done he's done pretty well. Um, I I believe who's I don't even know who's number one, and it doesn't seem like anybody cares who's number one. Or that whole battle of late night thing seems to be gone. All the hosts yeah. seem to get along really well. They appear together. They appear on each other's shows. Although that all happen. Um, but these days they seem to be getting along pretty well. The Jimmy's and Stephen Colbert. <laughs> well, and that's that's uh, like I miss the era of the late night stars not getting along and trying to outbook each other with guests and uh, um, and even referring directly about each other when Letterman started telling jokes about Leno and stuff, and that was just like wow, like the 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 more of that that happened, the more viewable it really was. And now it, it, it's sort of, we've entered an era of TV where it's like, for, for talk show TV anyway, which is just like feel good vibes all around. And the guests and the hosts like each other and the guests like all the hosts. There's none of this. If you do my show, you can't do the other show. So mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of stuff yeah. that used to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I mean, it's fine, but it's not as compelling TV viewing. No. And of course, the, the pandemic has affected it all in the last year as well. They've all been doing various versions of, of shows from home, then slowly moving back into the studio. And I don't know, uh, apparently Colbert is going to have an audience next week. I think they've announced that they're going to oh. have a live studio audience uh, in for Colbert, all fully vaccinated, of course, but that is going to be the first uh, one of those happened in a long time so i think we're going to start seeing talk shows getting back to what we would think of as normal but i've got to say i've, I've actually enjoyed colbert quite a bit that's the only one i seem to watch with any clarity these days is colbert um because he's on right after the news and i'll just kind of watch him and then and then go to bed but uh it's been pretty funny pretty good like he's got some good bits he's got his um his uh, meanwhile or he's calling it quarantine while during uh during the pandemic and uh he of course uh has been uh he's not said the word trump since the election <laughs> he is like he didn't tell anybody about it he just stopped saying trump and every time they show his word in the print they blank it out so that was just something they started doing and now they're taking name suggestions from viewers so if you want to like give him a name for trump you can tweet it at him and they'll use it on the show which are pretty funny as well so uh so i've really enjoyed colbert and I haven't really watched much of the Jimmys at all. It's interesting. I have watched um, Kimmel probably more than any of the other ones, just because I, um, 
his monologue is very inventive. I like his delivery in the monologue. I'm not a big fan of his uh, guest interviews, which tend to be kind of rather aimless. You don't, you don't really get much out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just find Fallon to be uh, too big of a suck up to, <laughs> to watch, to enjoy. And he tries too hard. It's just painful to, for me. <laughs> but hey, God bless everybody who enjoys it. If you enjoy it, good for you. Um, and um, among the other ones, I can't say like uh, Colbert just isn't something I just, you know, I'm one of those people that when he stopped doing the character and then, uh, then on his first show, he's saying everyday people. And I was like, what's he, he's singing sly in the family stone on the first like i was like no i'm sorry i cannot and he's not singing it ironically he means it and i was like i just can't i can't do it so that's what i pretty much decided like oh from time to time when the musical guest is good or something i'll watch it but i just i you know it's just not my era of late night tv It'll, it'll, hey, it'll swing back. It'll swing back again. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But I don't, I think we're done. You're right. I think we're done with all the major competition. Hopefully, NBC doesn't mess up whenever they choose somebody. Are they going to get Seth Myers, the Tonight Show, after we even oh. talk about Seth Myers? Uh, but we are they going to give him after Jimmy? Like that kind of thing. I don't think there should necessarily be like, um, what's the word I'm looking for where they're like, um, succession you know succession like plan i don't think we yeah. need that i don't think the, you know I, I don't know where this idea i guess it must have come from you know letterman should take over for carson that original thought is where this is all like whoever it's like the person doing the late show the, the one after the main show is like the farm team and they want to move up to the big leagues and that's kind of and they've done that in other places like jack Parr, oh, was it jack Parr? it was steve allen uh went from late night to, to prime time he got his own prime time show where he pretty much did the same thing he was doing in late night he just did it on prime time yeah. so that kind of stuff um but i don't see and then and then the whole jay leno show that that was also that was hilarious when they reminded me of the jay leno show which came before the tonight show right remember that leno at 10 o'clock conan at 11 it was so stupid um but i actually quite enjoy leno now he does do some videos he has this jay leno's garage show he does for msnbc so i watch those videos where he interviews it's kind of like comedians in cars getting coffee where he interviews somebody in a car but it's it's pretty good he had weird owl on uh, recently and i thought i really liked that one so yeah, I don't know. It's still something I really enjoy I know, taking, I, but it's so, so just a very interesting piece of, of media history. Well, I think also that it's, you know, we go from the era when there's nothing to watch on TV virtually. So whoever's on gets everybody's attention yeah. to today where cord cutting and the end of having to watch TV shows when they're actually on and not even fast and skipping and whatever like it, it's yeah i'm just watching clips like uh uh like i do for jimmy kimmel on youtube like it's it's a whole other era of uh of tv viewing and you know it's arguable whether it's a better era or a worse era because <laughs> we can argue that i mean certainly one of the things that's different now is it's the end of the idea of one narrative one entertainment narrative that we all share in together. And that's like a communal experience that's completely gone. So, um, so what we're actually tracking through these documentaries is that is the, is the evolution of television from the very first late night talk show to the present day mm -hmm. and, uh, and how it's changed. And I hope, um, like, as I say, like some of the, some of the talking heads on the show are a little, some are better than others. Let's just say, um, but I hope they get into maybe um, I'd like to, to see some predictions. 
I, I the one thing I, I can't stand about the series is the music. I don't mm. know if you've noticed, but there's a, mm-hmm. at some point they use the same track every t- episode. It's obviously a really cheap royalty free music because uh, it's the same track that's used in a PSA here in Winnipeg for like oh no Teen, teen Challenge or something. It's like one of those like nonprofits that's looking for donations. It's that kind of an ad. It's the exact same music that they're using in this CNN documentary. So it drives me nuts every time I hear it, and it's been in every episode. Used it in every episode, and then it's kills me so that's the one thing i hate yeah like i there, there's a lot to like and there's some to hate <laughs> for sure and i've noticed um it seems like people in the tv and comedy world like it less than the average viewer enjoys it oh is that and right I, and even i should also say tom shales pointed out that um i wrote i made a note of this that um the scene of nixon playing the piano isn't from jack parr's tonight show but it's from his prime time hour. So uh, he's like, there's a few, there's a few of those things that are creeping through. And it's like, I think in an attempt to fit the format or whatever, they're fudging a little bit of the uh of the uh key moments that they're focusing on mm-hmm. a little bit. And I even noticed with the Letterman stuff too, like the stuff that they selected um would not necessarily be like some of it, sure, I would have selected that stuff, but a lot of the other stuff some of the stuff that's in there is just, it's almost like the cliche moment as as opposed to like, let's show something that encapsulates everything about this talk show host. And so you get that thing, but maybe you, maybe there's like a deeper story to be told there. So what I would like, like you could do a great documentary on any one of these talk shows on any one of them. And I would love it if somebody did that. That's a great idea. Like just the individual, like, or even, even talk show hosts, like just David Letterman and look at his entire career. Right. And oh. look, at, look, everything he did. Was there anything that, that was like, a, was there any glaring omissions that they should have included as far as Letterman moments or any other talk show moments that you, that you can think of? Well, I mean, if there, if Pat Sajak wasn't in there, he was a late night talk show host. Like there's yeah. stuff like that, that, um, Chevy Chase, like I forgot show- about the Chevy Chase. Well, they did talk about Chevy did they Chase. Show- they showed it, right? They, they showed, showed it. Yeah. They showed Chevy Chase for sure. Okay, like a brief, yeah, very briefly, I'm, very briefly. I don't yeah. think they showed Pat Sajak. They talked about uh, Joan Joan Rivers having her own show on Fox. That yeah. was a big deal. Apparently, Johnny was pissed off about that. I didn't, I didn't oh, know any yeah. of that stuff. Um, so there's that. Um, no, I don't remember. I, don't, I I just can't think of anything. Like I do remember one of the funniest bits I ever saw on Letterman was when he went to the Taco Bell. Uh, they showed a clip from that. That was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I can't, uh, there was the guys. Remember the super clean, the super clean guys that that would like. Uh, they're talking about like. I don't remember. There was just the, the, these two guys with an accent that were really funny. Uh, of course, there's the Hello Deli, the, the deli guy downstairs, all these characters that he brought into the show. So there was a lot of great moments. And I found that those moments were better than the Jay Leno moments. Because <laughs> they didn't all yeah. they showed, like the Jay Leno moments, they showed the Hugh Grant thing, which was the one thing that got him, you know, that was the most, the show that put him over the top and made him number one. And then every other every other Jay Leno clip, it seemed like it was just up to him doing the monologue, which is what he was known for. His, his monologue was his strongest part of his show. No, it wasn't. It was terrible. <laughs> and so was people the rest it. of his show. People say, people who say that I liked Leno's monologues. I mean, it's a cliche at this point, but uh, his monologues were long. They were, they went yes. on and on and on. And the joke, let's just be honest. If you're telling 200 jokes a night in your monologue they are, the quality will vary and they really did they they were not high quality jokes particularly mm-hmm. toward the end i mean 
the many ends. You know, he had two farewell shows for God's sake. Yeah. Like, oh God. But um, I, I, I just think that in Leno showed uh, what a great comic he could be back in the day when he was on the Letterman show. I saw him play Winnipeg three times in that mm-hmm. era. And he was like one of the great stand-up comics. Like uh, his stand-up was sharp and, it, and the jokes were, were hard hitting and sarcastic. And then he got that show. And the thing that drives me the most crazy about the, about Len on the tonight show is he knows better. He knows he himself delivered a show that he thought he had to deliver to satisfy people, not the funniest show he was capable of delivering. That's what drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I feel, I mean, I think he was very aware of the wider audience uh, that yeah. he was going to get. And he was like, and, and the mass appeal that he had to have because Carson had mass appeal. So that's what he was trying to do is just, it, it's all kind of watered down to be more appealing and that he's not alienating anybody with these very generic, very safe jokes. That's that's what he became. But didn't he continue to do stand-up? Didn't, didn't he all, I heard he, he would go out to Vegas on the weekends and do stand-up shows out there and continue to do stand-up still like edgy. Is that not true? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it's true. Like he, he would still do Vegas. I actually think the last time I saw Leno play Winnipeg was at the concert hall. And I believe it might've been after he, uh, the tonight show became his Hmm. maybe not long after, but it was, he was already doing the tonight show. So he was still a touring comic. Mm -hmm. I think when he started the tonight show and then, um, then, then just Vegas and tonight show, I think at a certain point, but maybe not. Maybe he did. Maybe he did more of that than um, than what I know about. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, power. Great stand-up comic. Like <laughs> it's hard to people who only know him from the Tonight Show don't know like how great he was. As, like just so good at every part of being a stand-up comic. He even did impressions. He did an Elvis impression. Really? He oh, like, wow. oh my god, it was good. The the talking to the crowd stuff was. He was on the money. He was sharp. Um, and, uh, there's still jokes that pop into my head that he told back in the day that were so funny. So, you know, um, it's too bad. It's too bad that his show, <laughs> that the tonight show, uh, and I guess yeah, he knew what he was doing cause he got good ratings, but you know, I bemoan the loss of the Jay Leno comedian we could have had. All right. Let's, let's wrap things up with some recommendations. Um, what do you got for us this week? Well, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast and to keep things on theme, I'm going to recommend uh, Hacks on HBO Max um, about um, a uh, an older female comic, not unlike Joan Rivers. In fact, she's probably based on Joan Rivers. Um, and it's about she's played Vegas forever, and uh, she they decide and um, the and the um, casino owners like, hey, I think we're going to stop your shows. Uh, we're going to bring in rappers now or something. We're going to do something else. And so she brings in a young female writer to help her generate better material and more, um, more timely material. So it's just a, it's a cute little show. Um, and it's uh, in 25 minute increments and it airs on HBO uh, on Crave TV in Canada, HBO max in the U S um, and there's two episodes a week on Thursdays. And I think the fin- finale is next week. Um, and once again, it's, it's, um, it's a clever little show that, um, has the potential to, uh, really grow in upcoming seasons. So I hope it gets renewed and I hope they continue it. Who's but a, who stars uh, in the role of, um, in the Joan Rivers like role, it's Gene Smart, 
Um, oh yes, and I know who she, she is. She is. She's in everything in HBO. She was in Watchmen, and uh, most recently she was in um, Mayor of Easttown, which everybody loved. In this one, she's playing a very different role. Um, and as I say, it's like it really has to have been based on Joan Rivers. And I guess if the Marvel, if Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is based on the early career of Joan Rivers, it's almost like Hacks is a sequel or is like a flash forward from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> what, what happens to Mrs. Maisel in her later career? Is it, is it taking place um, in present this, day? Uh, at, is, it a, is it a period piece or yeah, is it, it does, right now? It does. Oh, okay. Interesting. Nope, present day. And um, the person playing the writer uh, is Hannah Einbinder. And uh, she, does, she does a nice job of being sort of the young, the young writer with references that the older comedian doesn't understand. Hey, so, so it's good. Good show. Uh, good show about stand-up comedy. Uh, and I recommend it. Well, let's keep that comedy uh, theme going with the, because uh, I'm going to recommend the new Bo Burnham uh, comedy special. Comedy is a loose term because uh, it's not exactly comedy. Have you watched it yet? It's called Inside. No, I heard about it, but okay. I have not watched so it. I, I definitely mm-hmm. think you should definitely watch it. It's it's very, very different. It's, you know, it's very funny at times. At times it's not. It's a really weird piece of uh, content, uh, but I think it's brilliant. I it's such a weird mix. So basically what happened is Bo Burnham, um, who's a, who's a, you know, he thinks of himself as a comedian, I guess, but he's also a YouTuber and filmmaker and that kind of stuff. And he, he made eighth grade, which I saw recently, which was very good. Um, and so he, he basically took, he just, I guess he rented the house or has a house. He locked himself in this house, this spent, this spent the year in uh, isolation during the pandemic, making this special. So he shot it entirely in this one room and it's just a collection of songs and there's a little bit of speaking parts, but it's just this weird collection of all these different things. And it's all the different emotions that he's going through the pandemic. Um, there's some very serious moments in there, some very, and you know, there's a, there's a trigger warning for suicide and things like that as well. Cause he does talk about, suicide but overall i think it's 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 unlike anything i've ever seen before and therefore you should watch it it's really really good so sorry it's it's called inside it's called inside bo burnham inside you'll see it on netflix pop up or as much netflix probably and it's been very very popular and very well received so and it's just unlike it's not a stand-up special it's not like uh you know a collection of sketches it's like it's i can't even describe it it's just very very good oh cool there you go I will, I'm, I'm going to add it to the list the second we stop this podcast. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Meet Not Me Nerds. <laughs> Not during. Don't wait. Wait. Two seconds. That's going to do it for this episode of the Nerds. I'm Dan Vadabonker. I'm Kenton Larson. Don't let the door hit you on the ass. Mm-hmm.